I'm Charlie Keegan. This is the Central Wigan Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Central Wigan Podcast. This is episode 6 and it is the day after our 2-1 home defeat against Sheffield United in the Skybet Championship. And that game actually rounded off our final fixture in the first set of fixtures uh, of the championship season. And I thought the result was expected really. A 2-1 loss against Sheffield United seemed reasonable and all I wanted from that game was was for us to look attacking, look dangerous. The first half we didn't get that but then the second half was very contrasting and we, we looked so much better in that second half. And I do think that that was down to Cola Torres' substitutions, but we're going to get into that later. I want to run through a lot of the stats for, for the game, talk about the chances and the goals, obviously the, the big injury that we've had, and then some of the player standout stats, and then we can, we can talk about what we need to do towards the second half of the season later. Okay, so just running through a lot of the, the key stats from the game. The possession, Wigan had 65% overall to Sheffield United's 35 overall. And interestingly enough, in that first half, we had 59% of the ball. And in the second half, we ended up having 70% of the ball. So it just shows how dominant we were in that second half and how much more on the front foot we were compared to Sheffield United. And that's not to say that we were working the ball better and Sheffield United didn't look up to it. But, you know, if, we, if Colo Torre wants to play a possession style of play... He's done very well to implement that already against a team like Sheffield United. So then moving on to the shots, there was 10 shots each. Wigan had just the three on target. Sheffield United ended up having six on target and there was three block shots for both sides. And that six on target from 10, obviously 60%, is the most that Wigan have allowed since our 3-1 defeat at the DW actually against Cardiff City back in October. So we're a little more exposed at the back than we have been for a while. Um, obviously, I think that came down to the injury mainly and also a lot of the, the inconsistent errors that we're making, but obviously we'll talk about that later on. Corner kicks, Wigan had eight, the Blades had four. Wigan committed 10 fouls, the Blades committed 13. There was four yellow cards in the game. One was for Wigan, which was Curtis Tilt. He was in an argument in the 15th minute with Billy Sharp, who also got the booking. And then there was a yellow card for John Egan after 40 minutes and Kieran Clark, who was on loan from Newcastle, got put into the book after 67 minutes for it was a pretty dirty challenge on Callum Lang. It was shortly after our goal. Lang got away from Clark and he hacked him down from the back, made no play for the ball, but it was a yellow card anyway. There was a couple more plays that I think could have been booked, maybe that uh, McAtee in the middle. I think he could have been booked for a couple of fouls, but you know the referee, it wasn't his, his best game to be honest. And for passes, Wigan made 481, the Blades made 267. Wigan had 76% pass accuracy and the Blades just 63% pass accuracy. Wigan lost possession 185 times during the game. Sheffield lost it 162 and there was 12 clearances for Wigan and 29 for Sheffield United. So when I look at all the stats and I go through them, I don't think that the game screams that we were overrun and we were battered. I think that for a lot of the stats, we actually, you know, we're doing better off. It's just individual quality that really lost us that game. You know, that Sheffield looked so, so good on the ball. That NDI was just, he was a menace all afternoon. And then in the midfield, you know, Sanderberg and Ollie Norwood, I thought they looked pretty good. Billy Sharp is Billy Sharp. You know, he's one of the best 
goal scorers of the century in this in this division. And Carlo Torre looked to try and implement a very much a pass out of the back philosophy and, and play the ball through the midfield. And over the course of the season up to that game, we averaged about 382 passes per game from the stats. In that game, obviously, we made 481, so 100 passes above average. Our pass accuracy is usually around 72% on average as well. 76% was yesterday, so we're above average on that. So there's definitely a lot of positives that we can take out of this. And I think that the style of play that Torrey wants to play will eventually work given time and obviously new additions to the side because I think a lot of our players really showed last night that at this moment in time, they're not quite up to it. So now I just want to go through the chances and obviously the goals and a couple of other key talking points just from the game. I think that we started the game very well. There was a chance after two minutes and Joe Bennett was battling down that left-hand side to keep possession and somehow he managed to keep the ball and he worked it so far up the field that he could find Will Keane who made a run through to the edge of the area and his shot went it went over the bar but that was I thought that was a really good bit of play from Bennett just to, to keep that possession, find Keane and make that charge forward. We started this game against Millwall again very brightly after 30 seconds and this wasn't too far dissimilar from that. But then after our bright start, it all went a little bit wrong for us. I thought Jones made a really good save from NDI after seven minutes. And then the follow-up from that, Sanderberg took a shot, which Curtis Till also blocked. They went out for a corner eventually. And this is where Wigan again showed how poor we are awareness-wise for set pieces. You know, we've seen it so many times where we're just not man-marking in the box. We're letting players get a run. And our defensive awareness sometimes just, it's like we just shut off completely. And the ball was swung in by Ollie Norwood from the right-hand side. John Egan was being marked by Jack Watmore. And Egan knew that if he could just run to that front post and try and get ahead, he could lose Jack Watmore because there was just a crowd of people. So he if he kept his left left shoulder close to the, the people in the box, what more? There's no way he could ever get goal side of him. By the time that Egan had got there, Keane didn't know he was coming. And it was a, it was pretty much an unmarked header into the goal. And then the first yellow card came after 15 minutes. Obviously, we spoke about it before. It was Curtis Till and Billy Sharp for an argument. Billy Sharp looked to be the one that lashed out to Curtis Till first. But then Till, obviously, he likes to react to these kind of situations. The referee called them over to talk about it, but again, it was Tilt carried on arguing. I think he was ready to get on with the play, and Sheffield United, you know, was still trying to rile him up, and Tilt just snapped and got an early, early yellow card, which very much dictated how the rest of his game was going to go. And then we ended up losing our other centre-back, Jack Watmore, with an injury after 30 minutes. He limped off, Romani Edmonds-Green came on. It was the second time in the game that Watmore had gone down, and as of recording this right now, we've not heard from the club how severe it is but hopefully it's not a long one and I think they're still awaiting a scan on his leg. It looked to just be a knock but you know we've already lost Jason Kerr for the season out through injury. I hope that Watmore can come back and he's ready for the the Borough game in six days time. And then after 40 minutes John Egan got his yellow card for wiping out Max Power and then 42 minutes I don't know what was going on but the ball was being played around the back between Jamie Jones and Tendai Dariqua. Jones played it to Dariqua, who I don't think he really realised that two or three Sheffield United players were on him. I don't know if you've seen Anthony doing his spin for Man United, that little daft thing he does. It seemed like Dariqua just didn't know where to go and didn't know what to do with it. Put the ball out of play, but th- that was a real breakdown in communication there that you know could have led to a goal. And so we went in a half-time, 1-0 down. Colo Torre made his first sub, actually, well, aside from Romani Edmonds-Green coming on for what more, made his first proper sub with Tom Naylor coming off for Jordan Cousins at half-time. And then after 56 minutes, we conceded our second goal. It was Billy Sharp. And the original ball was rolled out from Jamie Jones to Tendai Dariqua, who had at least 10 yards of space, you know, off anybody that was going to be near him. 
He tried to play the ball through to Max Power in the middle, but it was behind Power and the ball went straight back to the Blades. They cut straight through our defence, gave it to Billy Sharp, who he, he got two yards of space off Romani Edmonds-Green, who should be closing him down, but is that a signifier as to why Edmonds-Green hasn't been starting, or was it just a moment of not closing down, just like we've seen from a lot of other players in our squad, and McLean didn't close down McNamara well enough in the Millwall game. Is this just another example of it, or is this maybe an indication of why Edmunds Green hasn't been starting as much as, you know, we would like him to. But going down 2-0 to Sheffield United was the fourth time this season that we've gone down 2-0 to any side before scoring. The first was Burnley in the 5-1 defeat at the DW, the second a 3-1 defeat against Cardiff City at the DW, and then obviously the Coventry 2-0 away loss. And then on seven occasions, we have conceded one goal and then managed to equalise. But, you know, we just couldn't do it against Sheffield United. And then Colo Torre made two more substitutions. He brought Telo Asgard and Ryan Nyambi on for Tendai Dariqua, who obviously was at fault for the second goal predominantly. And also Joe Bennett, who started the game pretty well, but then just seemed to get overrun and was just being, you know, wasn't up to scratch of what, what we needed. So bringing Telo Asgard and Ryan Nyambi on was an exciting inclusion and immediately Telo Asgard almost scored and it's well worth going back and watching the highlights because just watch how the move started with Callum Lang he I, th- I think it was a back heel Megs through the player of a Sheffield United player then he got the ball towards the box played it to Broadhead with a 1-2 put it across the area to Asgard whose shot was it looked to be handled just before it went in now the referee said no penalty there was huge calls for the penalty but obviously there's no VAR in the championship so the ref couldn't go back and, and have another check. But when you, again, watch the replay, it looked like Kieran Clark had his arm by his side. It definitely hit his arm. But when you look at the referee's positioning, there was no way that the ref could actually see that view of it. So would have needed linesman help, whether he could see it or not, I don't know. But again, only a few minutes later, Telo Asgard was back creating again. A driving run towards the Sheffield box. Laid it off to James McLean at the left, who swung it in. Fodderinger made a really bad effort of the save. He didn't have his best game. But the ball fell to Broadhead, who was about six yards from goal, and, and could tap it away. Looked to be offside. I think it was offside. But again, there's no VAR in the championship, so you're very much relying on the officials for them kind of decisions. And officials gave it a goal, so it was a one back for Wigan. And then after the 84th minute, Broadhead got brought off for Ashley Fletcher, who came on. And pretty immediately, Fletcher was almost in with a goal. Power put a ball across the goal. Fletcher was almost there, but it was a Sheffield United defender who turned it behind. I want I want to see more from Fletcher. I want to see him given more minutes. But, you know, there is talk. Does he go back in the January transfer window? Are they going to recall him? But there's not much he can do in the last five or six minutes of a, of a game. You know, we saw that under Liam. Probably he's been brought on really late. Didn't really work. I know that we don't really want to risk Broadhead, you know, doing a full 90 minutes given his injury record in the past. But... I thought that Torre overall got his substitutions pretty spot on. I think that Niambi and Asgard definitely changed the game and just made us look way more attacking. So for me, they should be in our starting lineup in the Middlesbrough game that is coming on on Boxing Day. So we've covered all the big moments from the match and what seemed to go well and what didn't. So now I just want to go through each player that featured for us and just mention some standouts that happened in the game. As always, I'll start with the goalkeeper and then work through and then end up with the subs. So Jamie Jones to start, played the full 90 minutes, made four saves and some of them were quite big saves that do make me think, do we carry on with Jones in goal over Amos or should we bring Amos in for the Bury game just to see how he's comparing you know under under Colo Torre but Jamie Jones made a good case again for for being the, the main one 
And then moving into right back, obviously Tendai Dariqua came off after 61 minutes. He got rated 6.5 on sofa score, made 64 touches, 35 out of his 44 passes were accurate, and he lost possession 12 times. But the big chance to bring from that losing possession was the second goal. So unavoidable, didn't need to be a short pass like that to, to max power. Didn't need to make it. And for me, Tendai's decision making sometimes really, really lets the side down. And then alongside him, Jack Watmore, as we know, came up after 31 minutes. He had a pretty good game up to then. 15 touches, lost possession just two times, 85% accuracy. But this injury was was really tough on him. And, you know, he's gonna, I hope he's not out for a long time. And then Curtis Tilt played the full 90 and had a bit of a challenging game, to be honest. I think Sheffield United latched onto him as a play that they could frustrate and use to their advantage if he was riled up. Made just two of his six ground duels and four out of the six air duels. Obviously got the book in, which when you get booked so early on, it does completely change your whole game plan. And I think that Tilt felt the effect of that. Joe Bennett at left back, 61 minutes. Made six of his nine ground duels, one of one aerial duels and lost possession 16 times. Max Power in the midfield, played for the full 90 again. He's the only player to actually play the full 90 minutes all season for Wigan. He had 75 touches, made 47 of his 55 passes, three of his nine ground duels were wins, completed one out of eight crosses and lost possession 20 times. Now, after that game, there was a lot of people calling for Max Power to be rested for the Middlesbrough game. I am probably on that same wavelength at this point. You know, I like Max and I think he can bring a lot of good things to the side, but looking at the Millwall game and looking at the Sheffield United game, it just doesn't seem to be up to the level that, you know, we've seen in the past. And if Torre is going to be experimental with the squad, I do want the next experiment to be starting with Jordan Cousins and Graeme Shinney in the midfield or, you know, Naylor in the midfield with one of the two there. But I think it's time for Max to, to maybe have a game out just to see how we play. You know, he shouldn't take it as a huge knock. I think just we just need to see how we play without him there. Because obviously we're in the business of having to just pick up points at this point. So how long do we you know, persevere with something that's not quite working. Torre's going to have to start changing it up and maybe Max is going to be one of the four guys for that change. And we saw Tom Naylor get changed up at half-time. You know, Jordan Cousins came on for him, but Naylor had... It wasn't a terrible first 45 stats-wise, but then the stats don't show what he didn't do. You know, it only quantifies what he did do. So he made four out of his four ground duels, one out of two air duels, five out of his five long balls were completed, and he had a 20 out of 25 pass accuracy. So I am interested to see how our midfield does line up in the games coming now. You know, Torres had two games with them, a mid-season training camp and obviously sees them in training sessions. So I do, I do wonder how that's going to start to change up. Moving into the attacking line, Callum Lang is the next player that we'll go through. Played the full 90, 22 out of 24 passes completed, one key pass, but only completed one, one out of his five dribbles, five out of 10 ground duels, and he didn't complete any air duels. And he was just man-marked out of the game for a lot of it, you know. Sheffield United knew if they could get close to Callum Lang, you're going to start eliminating a lot of Wigan's attacking threat. And they did a very similar thing to Will Keane, you know. He made 26 out of his 33 passes, one key pass, didn't complete his dribble, three out of nine ground duels and just the two out of six air duels. And Keane just looked a shadow of the, the play that we started to see, you know, in the Millwall game and we have seen previously. Sheffield's defence was so good and the game was really a credit to how well they can defend off the ball you know absorb pressure and it's no wonder to me why they are second in the league you know they showed it last night they can win a game the scrappy way they can win a game the hard way but they ultimately win the games they find a way and then James McLean had a very tough game as well you know 58% pass accuracy two out of his 12 crosses were completed lost possession 33 times but you know he set the goal 
I do prefer him, you know, I've, I've mentioned this quite a few times, I do prefer him higher up the field than playing at a left back or a left wing back role. And then Nathan Broad had up top, he got obviously got the goal. He only had 14 touches in the game, completed six out of 11 passes, lost his only ground duel and won one out of his four air duels. It's no real surprise, you know, he's one of the shorter players on the field compared to the Sheffield United defence as well, who were quite tall. But his goal marked fourth for the season, and I do, to be honest, I am quite confident that he can lead the line for us, but I'm, I also like when he's in that, you know, the attacking three rather than just the lone man up top. And then just to quickly run through substitutions, obviously Romani Edmonds-Green came on for Jack Watmore. He he had a pretty good game. He got dribbled past twice, uh, which wasn't obviously great. Didn't close down Billy Sharp well enough for the second goal. Two out of five ground jewels, made all three of his aerial jewels and 64% pass accuracy. So if we are going to be going with Edmunds Green and Tilt for the for the foreseeable, Edmunds Green, he showed a few good qualities in that game. But again, it's just tidying up his little play style. But you're also not going to be expected to come on after 30 minutes. You know, that's obviously not in the game plan. So I do wonder how much Torre is going to have to work with him now to, to get him up to the level that we need. And then the other defender that came on, Ryan Niambe, for me, has to start against Middlesbrough. You know, now he's back fit. I really liked him before he got injured. And he looks really confident and really able to run forward and link play quite well with Lang and with Asgard and Keane. He was successful in one of one ground duels and one of one air duels. Completed 13 of his 18 passes with 72%. And for me, just has to start, you know, especially after a couple of the mistakes that Derek has been making over the last few weeks. Then Jordan Cousins obviously came on at half time, 44 touches, 86% pass accuracy, five of his six long balls were completed, three out of four ground duels and one of one air duels. Talo Asgard played for 29 minutes, 14 touches, nine out of 10 passes, two out of two long balls, one out of two ground duels and one of one aerial duels. Very exciting player, I think. Deserves all the game time that we can give him. And he will be key in picking up enough points for us to keep safe. Ashley Fletcher is the final player that featured in the game. Six minutes, three touches, two out of three pass completion, two out of three aerial just completed and almost got the equaliser. And for me and a lot of the people who voted, Callum Lang was the player of the match. So dynamic at what he can do and so attacking and it, it really looks like an exciting player that a lot of teams now are having to you know turn their game plan to stopping Callum Lang getting forward Sheffield tried it pretty well there was a few times they got beaten but I'm so excited to see Lang play against you know the lower down sides who aren't able to defend as well because I think we will just be able to open these defenses up And I just want to touch a bit on Colo Torre's post-match interview because it was very interesting listen. He basically said that the first half could have been better, we could have been braver on the ball, and he, he seemed to be a bit annoyed that we conceded on set pieces. But then he did go on to say that second half we played much better with more confidence, more attacking, and he was very pleased overall. He said they want to build on that second half, and he was very pleased with the inclusion of Tello Asgard and Jordan Cousins and said that they were very positive changes to the game. So I do expect to see the lineup against Bora to be very different from the one that we saw today. I think that Niambe is going to be included. Jordan Cousins and Tello Asgard look to be sounding like they're going to be included. I also think that it is time for Max Powers, you know, just to take a break. I would like to see Graeme Shinney come in. And also maybe Nathan Broadhead dip into left wing, left mid. James McLean maybe taking a break or even dropping back to left left back. Charlie White is still injured, so maybe we go with an, an Ashley Fletcher figure up front. And as of recording this, Tom Pierce has just put on Instagram saying that he's very excited to be back out on the field. So 
maybe he's back fit and Colo Torre's given him a nod that he might play. So it's all ones to watch. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that in our Middlesbrough preview that's coming up soon. But that game puts us back down in 23rd position. We've got 24 points from 23 games, 6 wins, 6 draws, 11 losses, 23 goals scored and 34 conceded. And then finally, we'll finish this podcast off by just running through the other games around the championship and talking about some of the, the results that happened there. Birmingham 3, Reading 2, Burnley 3, Middlesbrough 1. Obviously, we play Borough on Boxing Day. Bristol City 1, Stoke 2, Cardiff 1, Blackpool 1, Hull City 1, Sunderland 1, Preston 0, QPR 1. That's um, Neil Critchley's first game in charge for them. Coventry 3, Swansea 3, Huddersfield 0, Watford 2. So Huddersfield are really being put down at the bottom of the table there, which is you know giving us a bit of a platform that we can try and push away from. West Brom 3, Rotherham 0. Again, West Brom were down with us. Realistically, they were never going to be down with us for long. You know, they are a side that are just going to start propelling up that table. Norwich 0, Blackburn 2. Luton Town and Millwall was postponed. And then obviously Wigan 1, Sheffield United 2. But that is everything from me on this podcast. There is another podcast coming. I'm going to put it out Thursday or Friday. It's with Dan from Talking Wigan. You might know him from Twitter, at DanWAFC03. We look through what's gone right in the first half of the season, what could be better towards the second? And we also named our team of the season so far, which I wish I could go back and change after that game. But that'll be out at some point this week. I'm also going to be on the Progress of Unity podcast this week as well. And of course, I will link everything on my Twitter, which is at Central Wigan, and on the Substack, which is centralwigan.substack.com. It is a newsletter that is straight to your inbox where we talk about match previews, match reviews. There's a loan report on there, some of the youth academies spoken about. So Lots to get, lots to talk through. But that is everything I wanted to cover, so thank you very much for listening to the Sancho Wigan podcast. Up the ticks.